Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. Hello, hello. What is up, everybody? What is up? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Peddling Fiction. Of course, I am your host, the one and only voice and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny Profita. Hope everyone's doing well today on this Monday. I gotta apologize again. I'm sorry about Friday's episode. That sound issue is still haunting me, but I think I will avoid it this time. Fingers crossed. I got the computer plugged in so the recording shouldn't cut out. And my sound is sounding pretty good. I checked it. It's as good as it can be given these conditions. And um, I don't know. I uh, I just I feel really bad about it. I was late getting the episode out because I was trying to mess with it. And it didn't sound great. But hopefully you still got some value out of it. There's been, I mean, there's a few other things that I didn't get to talk about on the last episode that I wanted to. Um, and then I've got a couple interesting articles here about uh, some COVID stuff that I want to go over, and then just some general complaints I have about the government today. So I don't know how long we're going to go here. It's uh, it's always hard for me to determine how long I'm going to rant and rave about things, especially when it comes to problems with the government. I, I do get tired of talking about all of this coronavirus stuff. It, it, it seems like every other episode I have to dedicate a portion of it to th- this stupid pandemic, which is, as you all know, I think has been totally overblown. But, you know, we had Fauci testifying in front of uh, Congress, I think it was, over the, over the weekend, or it, it might have been on Friday. I can't remember. The days are all sort of uh, blending together here. But I did see some of the um, exchange between him and Jim Jordan going back and forth. And, uh, man, Jim Jordan, uh, you know, I don't follow too much of his, his politics or whatever, but he always seems to make news when they're grilling somebody on Capitol Hill. And, man, did he make Fauci look like the fucking fraud that that guy is. And, and I mean, I just cannot stress my dislike for Fauci enough. And, you know, I, I posted some memes and stuff like that of him when he was throwing out that first pitch, which was just one of the most embarrassing first pitches that you could possibly have. And I get, you know, I, I was a ball player growing up. I played baseball my entire life. I, I, I played some in college at the, at the club level. And, you know, I've been playing 16-inch softball in Chicago, which for any of you familiar with Chicago style softball. It's a lot different than your typical 12 inch, 
that that uh, where you play with the same basically the same rules and ball that the uh, the girls play with the girls softball you have a, a hard 12 inch ball everybody uses a mitt with Chicago style 16 inch the, the ball is actually 16 inches and you don't use mitts and, and I mean if you play in a, a co-ed league or something like that the the girls can wear mitts if they want but the, the men don't wear mitts and if you're playing in a real league you have unlimited arc on, on the pitches so you can launch that ball up as high as you want as long as it drops into the well behind the plate it will be a strike and it's a it's a very different game than uh, a baseball but I mean, I get that Fauci's like this nerdy doctor, scientist type guy, whatever, and I don't expect him to throw out a great first pitch. And it must be nerve-wracking doing that on national TV in front of a lot of people or whatever. But man, it was just the, the perfect uh, was it metaphor for how badly he's been, uh, like how badly he missed the strike zone on the coronavirus was his first pitch. I mean, this guy's a complete fucking fraud. He's a clown. And they, there's pictures of him. You know, he wore the mask out there. He put this big show on. And then they've got pictures of him up in the stands sitting right next to two people, one of which had a mask on, one didn't. And his mask was, was on, but it was, off, it was below his face. He, he wasn't wearing it properly. And the level of hypocrisy that is, is on display here every single day by the government related to the coronavirus i i just can't believe that more people aren't being um red-pilled by this aren't realizing that these guys are all completely full of shit i mean it's amazing to me the the, the number of people that are still um me and my buddy out here we, we we divide people up you know we have we have pro-virus and anti-virus people and we, we are both like fucking Norton antivirus over here. And uh, his brother is actually pro-virus, which is pretty funny. He was the one that I was talking about on the, on the uh, show maybe two podcasts ago. His uh, lady friend got diagnosed with COVID. But, so we have pro-virus and antivirus people. And the pro-virus people with these masks, no matter how much uh, evidence to the contrary or just... Um, contradictions that they see by the people who are telling you to wear a mask you know joe biden every day on twitter just wear the mask and uh fauci wear the mask you know even though he doesn't have to um that doesn't seem to affect these people they they're so emotionally involved and they've bought into this pandemic like that this has to be the worst thing ever this has to be the end of the world or their entire like worldview is going to come crashing down or something and we had the, uh, you know, we had two politicians die o over, I don't know if it was over the weekend or late last week, to John Lewis and Herman Cain. And they had all of these, uh, they had this big funeral for Lewis and no, there a bunch of people there not wearing masks. And it's just, it's the perfect example of what I talk about constantly on this podcast, what a lot of other libertarian podcasters talk about where they, they give us this illusion that, that the government is of the people and they work for us and we have a choice and, and a say in these matters and that's why voting is so important and democracy is so sacred and all of that crap, right? 
and, and they and they represent us, right? They they give us this illusion of representation, and I've talked about that uh, in depth in some previous episodes. But when you get right down to it, there are two classes of people, and I'm not talking about the two classes of people, or maybe three classes that the government likes to divide everybody up into to get us fighting amongst ourselves. You know, we have the poor, we have the shrinking middle class. And then we have the rich, right? The, the, the rich that aren't paying their fair share and they're exploiting the poor and the middle class. And, and somehow them getting rich means that it has to come at everybody else's expense, right? When really it just comes at, at the expense of uh, politicians, perhaps in some way, shape or form. But there are really actually two classes of people and it's those that rule and those that are ruled. And, and one of the reasons why I'm an anarchist is because I don't believe that there should be that sort of designation. I don't think there should be a class of rulers. And that's what I mean when I talk about anarchy. Uh, anarchy does not mean no rules. It means no rulers. I don't think that uh, there should be anybody ruling over anybody, especially people like Fauci or uh, Joe Biden or Donald Trump or any of these other unimpressive politicians like the it it really is incredible just the decline in um quality of politicians if you think back to the founding of the united states of america what did we have like a couple million people i i don't know the exact number right but of those few million people the the founding fathers all these like really brilliant prescient men that had acquired so much wisdom at, at such an early age. Um, we were picking from such a smaller pool of people. And now we have over 320 million people or whatever it is. And we, we get all of these clowns as our uh, representatives. But uh, anyway, they, they are the ones that rule over us. And none of the rules that they come up with all of this legislation they pass, these thousands of pages of uh, legal jargon and rules and uh, regulations that we have to follow, none of it applies to them. Not even the mask rule, not even the mandatory mask that they're all talking about. They get to do it when they feel like it. And what are, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Go out there and chant, you work for us? Uh, okay, yeah, that, that works real well. Watch what happens when you try doing that. But that's why they get to exempt themselves from all of the crap that they put us through. All of the rules they impose on us. They get to spend their lives. And, and when I say lives, I mean these are career politicians. And this is another reason why we should have term limits. If we're going to have a government at all and politicians ruling over us, it should be for a very short period of time. Because they get to spend their entire careers in government immune from all the damage that they're doing to the rest of society. If they had to hack it in the private sector after, uh, you know, say maybe two or four or six years in government, and they had to actually provide real value after they were in office, maybe they'll think twice about all the crap that they're, that they're putting through, uh, all this legislation. But no, they, what do they care? They, they know that they're going to get to write special exemptions from the, for themselves, just like they did with Obamacare, uh, just like they used to do with, with insider trading. They can still basically get away with that, but 
um, up until a few years ago. It, it they didn't even have a any rule against it. Now it's just like a, sort of a wink and a nod that they get to do whatever the fuck they want. But what we saw on display with um, with this funeral for Lewis was the perfect example of just this is the ruling class, and and the rest of us peasants we have to abide by whatever they say. I I mean I've been fortunate enough that I don't know anyone. Um, that's not exactly true, um, but nobody in, in my uh, immediate family or extended family or somebody that I was really close to has, has passed away during this whole uh, pandemic lockdown thing. The, there was a, a really nice guy that I used to work with. Well, I, I, he worked at my company for, I don't know, something like 30 years. I hadn't seen him in a while, but he, he died a couple weeks ago. Uh, not a couple, like a week and a half ago. And, we, you know, we we did the best we could for him. You know, we had like a Zoom thing where people, you know, went around and, and said some nice words about him, talked about, you know, the last time they, uh, you know, talked to him or the impact that he had on his life or something like that. But nobody got to go to the, the, the funeral services. Nobody got to go pay their respects at the wake. Um, I've, I've been fortunate enough that um, nobody that, you know, knock on wood, that um, is really close to me has passed away. But the idea that people and, you know, they, they talk about all these deaths every day, 153,000 or whatever have died from COVID, allegedly. They've died of something. Um, most likely it was not related to COVID, but... Um, all of these people are dying and their family members don't get to pay, don't get to say goodbye to them the, the way that they want. <laughs> but, you know, when one of these uh, religious heads of our of our government uh, institution, the, the religion of our government, when one of the high priests die, well, then all you know, all this goes out the window. None of the rules apply. They get to do whatever the hell they want. And uh, man, it, it, it's just, it's despicable. It, it's infuriating. And I can't believe that more people, like it, it just depends on which team you're on. And it's, it's depressing to me to see how difficult it is to crack the whole, you know, duopoly, the, the Republicans or the Democrats. So as if you're a Republican, you're noticing this hypocrisy all over the place or if you're a libertarian obviously you're noticing that this that they are all full of shit you've known that for a while that's what makes you a libertarian but if you're a democrat i mean i i don't know i mean i'm sure some of the more honest ones are are, uh, are attuned to this but the rest of them you know it's like if you're going to protest a, a democratic cause or black lives matter or racism or something like that then it's fine um but if you're going to go to like a Trump rally, you can't do that. You know, it's um, it, it's very depressing to me that that such blatant hypocrisy and just phoniness on full display almost every day isn't cracking through to more people. And and maybe it is. I, I don't know, because I, I kind of I do get stuck in these in these bubbles of, um, you know, ANCAP libertarian circles. 
but I do try to keep my finger on the pulse of the rest of society. And it doesn't seem like a lot of people have a, a problem with this because I've seen all these people that had no problem with what was going on. And they just, you know, were paying reverence to the great Lewis and uh, uh, all the while making fun of uh, Herman Cain for, you know, because he went to a Trump rally and he didn't wear a mask or something. And then he died a, a couple weeks later. And, and of course, that was, oh, well, you know, he, did, he was anti-virus. He didn't wear the mask. So that's the reason he died. And boom, there you go. There's proof that everybody should be wearing a mask all the time, even though two seconds ago they just didn't care that nobody was wearing a mask at the Lewis funeral. Uh, it, it's just unbelievable. And, of course, Herman Cain, I, I forget how old he was, but he was old. And he had, had at least one bout with cancer, like stage four cancer. And, uh, uh, but he didn't have his mask on. So obviously, um, that is the reason why he died, and um, they have no problem sort of uh, shitting on his grave because it, they disagreed with him on uh, the mandatory mask policy. Uh, okay, these are uh, these are some pretty sick people that that we're dealing with here. I was reading an article today, uh, not today, yesterday actually, because if you remember back to the beginning of the, the whole lockdown sometime in March when everybody was debating whether or not you needed a full lockdown or a partial lockdown. And every country was sort of trying to figure out the best approach to this. And we were pointing to, uh, the liberty-minded people were pointing to Sweden. We said, well, hey, look at Sweden. Maybe, uh, you know, they're not really doing this whole hard lockdown thing. And they're, they're not seeing the, the level of uh, outbreak that, that the rest of the world is seeing. So this it, clearly, this isn't as simple as just lock everything down and we'll all be okay. We, we've had a bunch of different countries that, that locked down things completely that had really bad outbreaks. We had places like Japan that seemed to be doing well for a while. Now I think they're experiencing an outbreak, even though they, they didn't lock down anything. And it was always like, well, because they were wearing the masks all the time and their culture, they're bowing and all that stuff but now even with their mask policy they're seeing they're seeing some sort of an outbreak but sweden uh sweden's actual covid19 results compared to what the models predicted in april uh seem to be pretty far off and this article is uh from fee.org which uh i i really enjoy this site they do a lot of a lot of good work on fee um but sweden's top epidemiologist Anders uh, Tegnell says a massive decline in COVID cases shows that the Swedish strategy is working. Is he right? And this was written on July 29th, just so you know. So it's a relatively new article. At a press conference last week, Anders Tegnell said a massive decline in cases shows that Sweden's lighter strategy is doing what it was designed to do. It's really yet another sign that the Swedish strategy is working, Tegnell said. It's possible to slow contagion fast with the measures we are taking in Sweden. Unlike most, most nations in the world, Sweden avoided a hard lockdown. The nation of 10 million people instead opted for a strategy that sought to encourage social distancing through public information, cooperation, and individual responsibility. Imagine that. Imagine a government coming out and, and, say, and encouraging people to take individual responsibility in the United States. Could you imagine? 
Um, but I'm sure Bernie Sanders isn't going to point to Sweden as the model for COVID-19, just for all of, all of his uh, socialist bullshit, right? Um, where was I? Restaurants, bars, public schools, libraries, and most schools remained open with certain capacity limits. Sweden's decision to forego lockdowns brought a barrage of scrutiny and criticism. Its approach was described as a cautionary tale by the New York Times. Now, I'm sure the New York Times will be printing a retraction or an apology for how wrong they got this when we go through the numbers here. And if, if you guys have been listening to the show for any amount of time, you've probably heard me talk about Sweden's approach to this because I know I've covered it in, in previous episodes. Just another example to uh, not doubt me. <laughs> it is tough. It is tough just always being right. <laughs> I will say. But as I pointed out, back to the article, the criticism stemmed less from the results of Sweden's experiment than the nature of the experiment. There are ample examples of nations and U.S. states that have suffered far more from COVID-19 than Sweden, even though these countries and states initiated hard lockdowns requiring citizens to shelter at home. Perhaps the best way to measure the success of Sweden's policies is to compare the outcome models predicted to the actual results. On May 10th, Sweden's biggest daily newspaper, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the name, analyzed a pair of models inspired by the Imperial College of London study, which predicted that as many as 40 million people could die if the coronavirus was left unchecked. The models predicted that Sweden's ICUs would expire before May, with nearly 100,000 people would die from COVID-19 by July. Now it is August 3rd, it is Monday, August 3rd, so we should be well over 100,000 deaths right now, according to that model. Our models predicted that using median infection fatality rate estimates, at least 96,000 people would die uh, by July 1st without mitigation, the authors wrote. It's a frightening prediction and perhaps that was the point. As Johan Nurberg pointed out, in The Spectator back in May, these models were used by critics of Sweden's strategy to show its healthcare system would collapse if it didn't make a U-turn into a lockdown, similar to the United Kingdom. Well, nearly through July, and actually now we are through July, so how have the predictions stacked up against the results? If I could get a drum roll, that would be great, but I don't know how to uh, do that on this program here, and I'm not going to waste the time to try to figure it out. Total... COVID-19 deaths in Sweden stand at, wait for it, 5,700. That's right. Nearly 90,000 less than the modelers predicted. Hospitals were never overrun. Deaths, daily deaths in Sweden have slowed to a crawl. The health agency reports that there are no new ICU admissions. It references a chart here, so um, you, I guess you guys can go check out this article if you want uh, on fee. But as the chart above shows, the modelers weren't just wrong. They weren't even remotely close, just like they were way off in the U.S. too. Uh, how did experts get it so wrong? Many reasons, of course, including the fact that COVID-19 isn't as deadly as modelers had originally feared. The simplest answer, however, is that the modelers overlooked a basic reality. Humans spontaneously alter their behavior during pandemics. This should not be a surprise. Humans are intelligent, instinctive, and self-preserving creatures who will seek to avoid high-risk behavior. The natural law of spontaneous order 
shows that humans naturally adapt their behavior when circumstances warrant it. In the 1988 book, The Fatal Conceit, economist F.A. Hayek described the process as the least appreciated facet of human evolution. Scientific evidence as it relates to the current pandemic bears out this economic data. Research shows that in the U.S., workplaces and consumers changed their travel patterns before the government began issuing stay-at-home orders. In other words, without being ordered or even instructed, tens of millions of Americans were already adapting their behavior to the unknown threat of COVID-19. A similar experience took place in Sweden, where foot traffic and train traffic were sharply reduced without draconian orders or penalties. The assumed benefits of a more severe lockdown policy appear to have been greatly exaggerated. The assumed risks of a milder course adopted by the Sweden government appear to have similarly inflated. The overall death toll of the baseline do-nothing scenario appears to have little grounding in reality. One might argue the caution was warranted given the unknown threat of COVID-19. This argument is less persuasive when the cost of lockdowns, a looming global recession, hundreds of millions of jobs lost, millions of businesses shuttered, historical social unrest, surging extreme poverty, and widespread health deterioration are taken into account. And uh, I mean, I think you get the, uh, oh, that's actually pretty much the end of the article there. And I, you know, we've talked about the the unintended consequences of a lockdown and how this is actually probably going to cause, if it already hasn't, more deaths unrelated to COVID-19 than COVID-19 itself. But I just have a simple question for all the lockdown people and all the lunatics out there going crazy over people not wearing their masks everywhere they go. How do you explain Sweden? What happened there? If locking everything down is the solution and Sweden didn't lock everything down, I mean, clearly something is going on here. And it's just not as simple as stay in your house like a, like a prisoner. You know, I tweeted out, this disease or this virus has affected about 1% of the United States population. And it's killed less than that. Okay. And the government, the response to COVID-19, that the people like Fauci have utilized this disease that, that's affecting 1% of the population to turn the other 99% of us into essentially political prisoners. That we, just, we have to be confined to our house. You can't open your business. You can't live your life. You can't do what you want to do. You have to follow orders from the rulers. I, it, we're all just political prisoners at, at this point which is why it's so important that we learn these lessons before it's too late. I, I can't stress this enough because they are never going to give us the freedoms back that they've taken. They, they are going gangbusters with this stuff and they have no incentive to throttle back on any of it. The only way they're going to relax any of these restrictions going forward seems to be once they hammer through some half-baked fucking vaccine that they make us take it. I mean, this is this is where we're going now. It's like, yo, you want to leave your house? Okay, take this vaccine. And you have to get regular injections of it now. And there's no guarantee that any of it's going to work. I mean, they've never... I don't know of any drug that they've brought to market in like less than a year 
which is what they're trying to do basically right and uh you know usually this is like this whole process is decades long it, it takes billions of dollars of of research and, and fda regulation compliance and testing and phases of tests and you have to prove e efficacy and that it doesn't do harm and somehow they're going to hammer this through in like a year um, and then try to force people to take it in order to do things and you know they might not you know they're going to have it's like the pentagon and some other government agency are going to be the ones distributing this i mean does it get any more like draconian and, and dystopian than that could you imagine just like u.s military coming to your door and injecting you with something every six months so that you don't have uh this exposure to some disease that is practically nothing i mean who knows what they're going to put in there who knows what they could put in there but yeah here's an article dr anthony fauci says he's hopeful that we'll have a covid 19 vaccine available by late fall early winter it may not be as simple as a one jab for a lifetime of immunity according to the la times for starters, a COVID vaccine can be released if it's safe and proves effective on as few as 50% of those who receive it. Okay, now listen, um, I am far more skeptical or afraid of some vaccine that they've rushed through government trials than I am of getting the coronavirus, if I haven't already had it. I mean, I, I don't know how it's possible for me not to have had it. But if it is, I mean, I've never had any symptoms. Nobody around me has ever had any symptoms. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not injecting myself with some unknown vaccine that has, that's barely been tested. That probably has a plethora of side effects that are ten times worse than the actual disease it's supposed to immunize me from. I mean, this is going to be like watching one of those commercials for a drug where it's like, oh, do you have like dry, red, itchy eyes? Take this pill. Side effects include uh, cramps, diarrhea, rectal bleeding, <laughs> you know, like, uh, you know, chances of heart failure, like the, all of the, the side effects are like a thousand times worse than what it's, uh, you know, supposed to fix. There's no goddamn way they're getting near me with a fucking vaccine for this. I, I am not afraid of COVID-19. Um, none of you guys should be afraid of COVID-19. This is nonsense. Th this is just one, one more excuse for them to erode what's left of our freedoms. And you have to constantly remind yourself that. Look around. Look around at what's happening. How many people do you know suffering from the coronavirus? I mean, it's a disease that's so so devastating, you know, this really scary disease that you actually have to get tested to know whether or not you have it more often than not. I don't, who are all these people getting tests, by the way? Like, why is everybody going in to get tested? Who cares? I mean, I understand if you're really, really sick and you have to go basically to the hospital and be put in the ICU and they test you and it's COVID. That makes sense to me. But just to like voluntarily get tested to see if you have antibodies for something that you know you may or may not have, may or may not be contagious, uh, may or may not affect your life in any of the slightest ways. I don't know who all these people getting tests are. Anyway, back to the article. We should anticipate the SARS-CoV-2 vaccine to be similar to the influenza vaccine, said Dr. Kathleen Newsel.
director of the Center for Vaccine Development at the University of Maryland. The vaccine may or may not keep people from being infected with the virus, but it does keep people out of the hospital and the ICU. Okay. Uh, because of this, experts say that the first round of COVID-19 vaccines probably won't eliminate the need for masks, social distancing, or other measures. Um, so after all the promises made by government officials, a vaccine may only reduce symptoms and may turn into a recurring shot that only works on half the population. I mean, this is what we're, this is like a, the, the great white hope now is a vaccine that's probably not even going to do anything. Uh, oh my God, this is just so fucking unbelievable. And there are people that say we shouldn't leave their houses. Uh, people shouldn't leave their house until we have a vaccine. You can't, uh, what was it, Boston? You can't open up your bar, your restaurant, your gym until you have a vaccine or an effective treatment. Well, it doesn't sound like that's ever going to be the case. Um, certainly, there's no guarantee of that. So what, what are we going to do here? We're all just going to stop living our lives? Whew, man, this is uh, really starting to, to wear thin on me here. And the other thing that's just amazing to me is why people have so much confidence in the government to solve this problem. What have they done properly since this whole thing began? I mean, apparently the United States was like the biggest failure ever if you look at these bullshit graphs that they have of all our cases skyrocketing. Now, they want to just blame that on Donald Trump. But believe me, it would be no different. I mean, maybe in terms of the actual reporting and the hysteria would be different if we had a, a Democratic president in there. But the, the actual effect of COVID-19 on our daily lives would be no different if we had a different president who made better speeches or something like that. Uh, th this is all just so ridiculous. But if you need another example of just complete government incompetence, look no farther than another article I found. This is uh, regarding the um, unemployment benefits that, you know, they, I still, as far as I know, they have not struck a new deal on the benefits that just ran out on July 31st, that the, the extent, uh, the extra federal $600 unemployment benefits, but the numbers are in and I'm sure they're going to hammer something out over the next week or two so that people can still get their checks coming in. But the runaway fraud plagues massive unemployment program Congress is about to extend, the report finds. Fraud, incompetence, and inefficiency are a feature, not a bug, of government agencies and state-run systems, as those of you listening to this show should be well aware of. The debate over expanded unemployment benefits has proven particularly fractious, given the $2 trillion CARES Act Congress passed in March set up a broken economic system where nearly 70% of unemployed people can get paid more in benefits while staying home than they could going back to work. And you guys remember me uh, talking through all of those issues. Yet as important as the ramifications of this distorted big government labor policy, one largely overlooked consequence of the massive expansion of unemployment is the skyrocketing fraud and abuse. A new report from the fiscally conservative Foundation for Government Accountability exposes the stunning extent to which fraud has corrupted the hastily crafted unemployment expansion. And if you recall, when I was talking about the CARES Act and the PPP, I, I let you guys know in advance, and this is not a very you know bold prediction to make or anything like that, so I'm not patting myself on the back too hard here. but. They, they normally, when they take their time and try to roll something out, 
at, at, at a government snail's pace. It's still wrought with, with waste, fraud, and abuse, right? You always hear them talking about how they're going to eliminate it. Uh, well, that's impossible. That will never happen. But when they, when they rush something through the way they did something like the, the CARES Act and, and all this other crap that they've been doing over the last couple of months, you can guarantee that the, the waste, fraud, and abuse will be a million times worse than normal. So according to this new report, the fraud and waste associated with the rollout of this new unemployment benefit that just ended on July 31st will consume more taxpayer dollars under this expansion than the entire unemployment program paid out in 2019. Now, that doesn't mean that the program was bigger than the 2019 unemployment program. It means that the amount of money they wasted and that just went to the wrong people, went to dead people, went to you know uh, fraud and, and was just screwed up by the government, the amount that they screwed up was more than they paid out in unemployment benefits in 2019. Now think about that. Think about that when your, uh, your favorite politician is coming out talking about how they're going to do this or how they're going to do that and they've got a program for this and a plan for that. This is what their plan does. They waste four out of every five dollars that they steal. And then, of course, it's never enough. They just need more funding. More funding so that they can waste even more of it. And it's all about the incentive structure. They, they're incentivized to fail. And I want to get into that to uh, sort of round out the show here. But first, let me take a quick second to remind you guys to go and order your coffee from Lorenzotti dot coffee and use promo code fiction you'll get 10 percent off your order and you'll get a couple tins of premium italian coffee delivered right to your door from uh, a small business that's that was started by two liberty-minded entrepreneurs they have a, a pretty simple mission it's you know bring good coffee to the american people and supply coffee shops which hopefully will be able to open at some point soon after all this coronavirus nonsense is is gone but to supply them with the professional equipment they need to brew the coffee properly. So do yourself a favor and do your favorite podcasts a favor and do Lorenzotti Coffee a favor by going to Lorenzotti, that's L-O-R, E as in Edward, N as in Nancy, Z as in Zebra, O-T-T-I dot coffee and use promo code FICTION for 10% off your order. And if you order two tins, you get free shipping. So you'd be crazy not to take advantage of that as well. And um, let's get back into it to round out the show. The incentive structure of government. It's, it's something, that, you know, it's been a main theme in a lot of my episodes. And it just, it, it just drives me absolutely crazy that, that more people can't um, seem to figure this out. That, that the incentives of, of all these politicians, despite what they tell you, is never to solve problems. The more problems that society has, the more perceived need there is for politicians to attempt to fix them, okay? And, and like we talked about earlier in this episode, it doesn't matter how many problems that they create through their um, attempts to, to solve a problem. They're exempt. They're always exempt from the repercussions. And we know that they know that um, their policies are creating problems for people because they exempt themselves from, the, from them. If they thought Obamacare was going to be such a great thing, why would they exempt uh, all of Congress from it? Why do they get their own Cadillac health care plan, right? I mean, by definition, the fact that they're exempting themselves from every law that they pass 
and that they're spending their entire lives in government instead of living in private society under all of the dystopian authoritarian rules and regulations that they've been passing in their in their lives in government the very fact that they're doing that proves that they know at least on some level that that what they're doing is not designed to actually solve any problems and they have no incentives to fix anything and even if they could even if they could solve this supposed COVID-19 pandemic Democrats uh, the, the House especially, even establishment Republicans in the Senate that hate Donald Trump, you know, they have to put their political gains ahead of the lives of the American people. And that's what they do. They're, they're only concerned about the next election. They are more than willing to blow this thing way out of proportion if it makes Donald Trump look bad and hurts his chances of reelection and increases their chances of, of gaining more power, more control in the House and the Senate and maybe getting the presidency. I mean, Democrats want the economy to be as bad as possible so they can blame Trump for it. They want everything shut down. They want everyone afraid and dependent. Not only does that help their election chances in November, but it aligns with the goal of their entire ideology, which is to basically have the government coddle Americans from cradle to grave to control every aspect of their lives, socially, economically, everything. They, the only place that they don't seem to want to be involved in is uh, health care if you're getting an abortion. Otherwise, uh, they want to be up your ass in health care, like literally and figuratively. They want to control every aspect of the economy. They want to give money directly to people. They want to provide housing, education, everything, cradle to grave, and they want to start as early as possible. They, they want to get their hands on your kids when they're, bef like before they're even ready for preschool. And this is not, remember, this is not just an isolated incident with this whole COVID thing. This is just one of the most despicable instances of it because people's lives are really being ruined on a massive scale um, figuratively literally economically and it just goes to show you that, that these people are just a bunch of sociopaths that they will stop at nothing and they won't lose a wink of sleep they don't give a rip about you or your business or your life that you've worked years to to build a career that you've worked years to build, a family that you have to provide for. They, they couldn't care any less. If it came down, them getting four more years in office or you, you having to shut down your business permanently, they would take the former. And I talk constantly about the incentives of free markets versus those of the government. And every single time the government is incentivized to help themselves at your expense and the free market has to help you in order to help themselves it's the only way the free market voluntary interaction works and that's the beauty of it that's the beauty of capitalism when you really have it the, the only way to legally right and ethically obtain money obtain fame and fortune is to help other people solve a problem that they're having it's the exact opposite with government even the Republicans, the, the Republicans that want Donald Trump elected are still willing to sacrifice your long-term stability, your livelihood for the sake of their next re-election campaign. That's another huge problem with democracy are these short time horizons that everybody has. All these politicians are just worried about the next election. If they can 
you know, push that problem off down the road a few years so that they can get reelected. Well, mission accomplished. Whether, you know, if it destroys your life in the process, if it destroys the country in the process or the economy, so be it. They get reelected and they never have to um, remember they're the rulers. So they never have to subject themselves to the destruction that they're pouring on to the rest of us. And sure, you know, maybe the Republicans don't want you to have to close down your business because you'd be less likely to vote for them or something like that. But they still want you dependent on them. They still are perfectly willing to destroy the dollar in the name of economic stimulus to uh, goose the stock market so that Trump can point to something as an accomplishment. And, that, and that's just as bad. In the long run, it will be far worse to destroy the currency than it is to, to shut down a business. But in the end, in every single instance, when all is said and done, government is hurting you and the free market is helping you and can help more people if we can just get the government out of the way. There has never been a system devised by man that's been proven to pull more people out of poverty, proven to create more wealth and more opportunity for more people ever. It's never been done. And that's why the government hates it so much. That's why they have to constantly deride it. They have to blame it. They blame capitalism for the failures of socialism and corporatism. That's why they bombard us with propaganda our entire lives. Like I said, from cradle to grave. Because they know that if we get a big enough dose of free market capitalism, we'll do away with government once and for all. You see, they need us. We don't need them. They need us. And that's what we need to wake people up to. It's the people that support the government. The government does not support the people. They exploit the people. They exploit the people every step of the way while pretending that with, without them crippling us, without them stealing from us, taking a portion of everything that we earn and everything that we produce until the day we die, and even then they take about another half, without that, somehow we wouldn't be able to survive. That has been the ultimate fairy tale told to the American people. And it's the classic case of projection. Government is an albatross around our necks. They're an anchor. They're an anchor tied to our leg. It's like we're trying to navigate rough waters and swim to this island of prosperity, and they're dragging us down the entire time. All we have to do is cut them loose. The rest of it will take care of itself. It will be like, you know, it would be like working your entire life with a backpack full of weights, right? And instead of removing weights from the pack, as they claim to do when the government uh, pretends to help you, they're actually adding weights. They continue to pile weights inside the pack, and every time they see people struggling, their solution is to add more weight to that backpack. Every time government does something, every time they pass legislation or an executive order, or they create a committee and a bureaucracy, they're punishing all of us. All we have to do is drop the pack, cut that weight loose, and the explosion of economic prosperity, even for the poorest people among us, will be the likes of which the world has never seen. With all the technology at our fingertips, we should be living like the Jetsons by now. And yet, here we are on the precipice of being far closer to the Flintstones than anything resembling the Jetsons. And you see, it's up to us. It's up to individuals, liberty-minded individuals, to spread this message and win the hearts and minds of, of the masses before it's too late. Because 
where government has taken us with their reckless foreign policy, their monetary policy, with the very nature of the state and the incentive structure of democracy, unfortunately, there, as I talked about on the last show, there is no easy way out of this. There is no pain-free solution to the problems that we face. Bad times are coming. It's going to be unavoidable. A lot of it may be out of our control, but what we can control, what you can always control when bad things happen to you is how you react to the situation at hand. We're going to have two choices, one that will lead down the path that so many failed countries have gone of economic devastation, death, starvation, violence, and the other, while still painful, can bring us back from the brink and set us on a path back to where we were going before the era of big government began, before we decided to sacrifice our liberty for promises of safety. A path that will save the lives of millions of people and improve the lives of billions more, from the poor and the destitute to the billionaires. Everyone will be better off except for the blood-sucking, leech politicians that have been bleeding us dry our entire lives. And that's the way we should want it. Guys, I'm going to wrap there for today. Do me a favor. If you like the show today, share it with somebody that you think might get some value out of it. Give me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter at Pedal Fiction. And if you want to go above and beyond the call of duty and become a supporting listener of the show, you can do that by going to PedalingFictionPodcast.com. There are a number of different types of payment plans we can set you up on. And any dollar that you can give to, to the show goes right back into building content and trying to increase our reach and get this message out there. Because we don't, we don't have much time to, to warn these, uh, the, the lemming masses of, of the impending doom that their misguided faith in government is going to bring them. So if you can do all that for me, I will be back on Thursday with a brand new episode for you. And until then, you guys know what to do. Just keep on pedaling that so-called fiction. Peace.